0: Hello and welcome to the Local Government Association and UCL's Net Zero podcast series, Together Towards Net Zero. I'm Olivia Lancaster, advisor at the Local Government Association for our Climate Change Improvement Programme. This new podcast series aims to reflect on and share learnings from our recently launched Net Zero Innovation Programme, bringing together councils and universities. As you may be aware, many councils across the UK have declared a climate emergency. In this series, we're focusing on stories from our Net Zero programme to help shine a light on how councils and universities can work together to co-create solutions to meet councils' climate commitments. Each podcast brings together participants with expertise on the topic to explore the opportunities and challenges of the programme together. In this episode, we'll be speaking with the UCL and LGA organisers of the programme as we go behind the scenes to explore the highs and lows of the partnership. It will cover how the partnership came about, the challenges and opportunities, what they have learned along the way and anything they might have done differently. This series is funded by UCL Public Policy and brought to you by the LGA and UCL, connecting the work of research with the world of local government. With me today are Catherine Welch, Deputy Director of Partnerships at UCL Public Policy, and Grace Abel, Programme Manager at the Local Government Association. We are also joined by Dr. Krista Meyer and Dr. Lucy Huppel-Rose, who are the expert facilitators of the programme and are part of UCL's Climate Action Unit. Catherine, I would like to start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about your work and how the idea for the programme came about?
1: Hi, Olivia. Uh, Thank you. Yes, so I work with ucl public policy it's a central team um, within ucl that works to bring together uh, the research community across the uc university and um, policy partners um, across a very broad policy ecosystem which includes national and local government Um, we see ourselves very much as um, brokers or mediators, and we run an expert to expert model by which we try and match up our research expertise with the needs of uh, policymakers. Uh, And so through this, we develop the idea of uh, doing a piece of work around climate and net zero. We know that it's a growing challenge Uh, globally not just uh, in the UK and of course locally Um, and we felt with the COP26 uh, climate meeting coming up in November this year and being hosted in Glasgow it was a really prime opportunity to engage around the issue and see uh, how our research can be used to greater impact Uh, and so we reached out to um, the local government association to see if they were interested in a collaboration and working with us to try and partner up research expertise um, across the UK with needs that local councils have in addressing some of the climate issues that they're facing with a view to not necessarily developing new research questions and new research activities, but thinking about how we can deliver impact from existing research and really turn research into action on the ground.
0: Grace, could you tell me about how you and Catherine met and how you went about setting up the
2: strategic partnership? Thanks, Olivia. Yeah. Well, back in a physical world pre-COVID pandemic, um, Catherine came to the LGA office, which seems moons and moons ago now. um, And we met in the open council, which is a place for all councils and partners to meet. And she proposed doing a small pilot event for six council and university partnerships to come together, as she's described. The LGA was um, had worked a lot on environmental issues, but we were just at the start of working more in a focused way to support councils on their newly um, newly pledged climate change emergencies and climate action plan aims. Um, so we very, very enthusiastically took up this opportunity um, to partner with UCL on this project so we went about planning to do some pilot events to take place at the beginning of april 2020 in a in a physical format but not long after we met and um, working from home obviously came into fruition. And as a team, we converted these sessions that were meant to be in physical to online Zooms. Um, and Chris, who you'll hear from later in the podcast, um, did an excellent excellent piece of work putting a blog together on how we did this, which can be found on our web pages, um, which at the time seemed very innovative to do something all online, but obviously now is our normal day-to-day We learned so much about setting up a strategic partnership just in those first few months. Lots of preparation work went into thinking about how to not only do this small pilot, but what would be most useful for councils and universities, how to support them on their projects, and then how we would scale the learning to others. We learnt so much and set up a collaboration agreement to solidify our strategic partnership, which expanded to 12 partnerships, which we launched in September 2020.
0: Thanks, Grace. And just on that point, what did you see as the main benefits to councils in starting up the programme?
2: Yeah, I suppose when um, Catherine came came to us with this proposal, um, we thought, As a world, we need obviously new and innovative solutions and tools for councils to help combat the climate crisis. And one of the big advantages um, to councils is working together as a collaborative network with their research partners in the community, but also their public, private, and voluntary community sector partners. And we could see in the research space that so much work had gone into this over a long period of time. And councils, in a very great way could offer this on-the-ground implementation, creating a really great partnership for research and on-the-ground work to come together to make into a practical reality. So we saw that as a huge benefit, this sort of like vision of a collaborative world in trying to combat um, climate change. The other benefits were that it would be a test bed um, for councils and universities to work together and, and to take on some that the LGA could take on some of that financial risk in an extremely stretched environment for councils. And I suppose the other one was that there was huge potential to scale solutions to other councils who are not just on the program, but to a much wider network of councils, university, and other players who are obviously looking at, at combating this. Crisis that we have in our world, so we did this by webinars, um, case studies that are on our web page, and and also obviously through this podcast.
0: Yeah, absolutely, a lot more benefits than maybe we first thought right at the beginning of the program, which is great to see. And lastly, Catherine, what was the thinking behind the program team? Why did you choose the facilitators that you did?
1: Yeah, so we we knew from the outset that we wanted to create uh, a space where researchers and councils from across Uh, the uk could come together and work together but what was really important as part of the program was the co-creation element was that we were able to take research and really apply it in a in a potentially new and different way um but that we were really adapting it to to the solutions and the challenges that that needed it Uh, and so we felt that we needed um a particular skill set to be able to do that which we didn't have within our own team and so we reached out to a, a group within ucl the climate action unit um, who we have worked with uh, previously and who uh, really do a lot of work around um, this type of facilitation and an intervention and working with um, different groups of stakeholders to better understand the positions from which they're coming Um, how to break down and then build up the kind of partnership relationships um, that we were looking to create. Um, And so we brought in uh, both Chris and Lucy from the Climate Action Unit to help the delivery of the programme. What was really important about the programme was that we wanted to see, as Grace has said, not just um, these solutions being developed for those that were able to take part, but that they were going to benefit a wider network of collaborators, both in the local authority space, but also in the research space. And to do that, they needed to have a good foundation of solid partnerships and networking skills that don't always come naturally. And so, again, that was something that Lucy and Chris and the Climate Action Unit were able to to offer uh, and support with where building up those networks and those skills that they could take the learning to a much greater audience.
0: Thanks, Catherine. And uh, talking of the facilitators, I think we're going to come to them now. Chris and Lucy, so... Chris, why did you join this team and what excited you about the prospects of working within the partnership?
3: Uh, Thanks, Olivia. So going back to that situation at the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, when we started to have these conversations, what we had seen in some of the other work we were doing is that councils were declaring climate emergencies, were sort of scratching their head as like, what do we do now once that we've declared the emergency, started to organize community meetings, those community meetings were a mixture of being very difficult and and uh, sometimes very sort of heated arguments would take place in them and sometimes very productive. What we also saw was that academics across the country, uh, sometimes colleagues of ours, we saw them joining these meetings and going to start and attend those meetings because they wanted to put their expertise to work within a local context. And when Catherine approached us with, this idea of like let's do something with councils, we immediately w- were like yes this is an opportunity to not leave this to chance occurrence of the right academic walking into a meeting like this, but to really make this the norm to really make this systemic to support that kind of partnership working, to to emerge and to build, and um, that's what the, that was the main thing that attracted us to this program was the ability to embed this across society and not make it uh, a chance happening of the right person walking into the right meeting at the right time.
0: Thank you. And Lucy, could you tell us a bit about yours and Chris's role in the partnership?
4: Yeah, thanks, Olivia. What Chris and I brought was um, some design thinking to how we might do this. So we worked with you as a team to understand more about what you were trying to achieve, that Grace and Catherine have talked through very eloquently already. And then we took all of that thinking along with the knowledge that Chris has just mentioned uh, into a design process where we were designing the majority of the face to face spaces um, and interventions that formed part of the program. So that included everything from the training workshops at the beginning that were very focused around partnership building into some of the action learning group spaces where we were encouraging the partnerships to work together to provide peer support for each other. Um, and all the way through into those one-to-one spaces where we were working directly with individual partnerships to understand the progress that they were making and help them troubleshoot some of the problems that they were meeting along the way.
0: Thank you. And Chris, reflecting on the programme up to now, what did you learn about facilitating a programme of this kind during a pandemic as well?
3: So the first or the biggest message perhaps is that it can be done online, that running these kinds of Systemic change interventions can be run online. That's the headline message. But going back to that time of March 2020, where it became clear that we couldn't do our first planned workshop in a physical space, which we had set up to happen at the end of March, we were left with the question, or we were struggling with the question, what shall we do? Shall we postpone this until a later moment, or shall we bite the bullet and start uh, moving this to an online space. And luckily, we decided, we said, we don't know how long it's going to take before this COVID thing clears. And we're here still 18 months later, and it's still not back to normal. So uh, we did make the right decision to say, let's push this online. And what that posed us with was a set of design challenges because we had designed the one-day workshop so we broke that into four online sessions but what we discovered then is that moving into this online space opens up a lot of opportunities doesn't just mean that you have a lot of challenges to deal with you're also allowing new things to happen so one thing we discovered is for instance that you can set homework to people uh, in between sessions, because we ran uh, weekly sessions four weeks in a row, so in between we would ask them to have conversations, to to answer a question, and then to come with that material back the next week, which allowed us to make up for some of the 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 the, the s- sort of social interaction that goes missing by moving it to the online space. You don't have the time to have the conversation over a cup of tea. You don't have the coming in and chit-chat about how we're all do- doing and that kind of stuff. So so we, we managed to compensate for that with um, asking people to do a little bit more interaction in between the sessions. And then technically we, we came up with sort of a format. We're using breakout rooms and using digital tools a digital whiteboard in which people could work collaboratively. And we, we discovered that as we were moving into that program, we started with a very simple tool, we moved to a slightly more complex tool. And, and so there was a lot of our learning involved in that as well. And as Catherine mentioned before, there is, uh, or sorry, as Grace mentioned before, there is a, a blog post that details some of the technical uh, details of how we move this online.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a massive learning we've all taken away as well as how much you can collaborate online with all these tools now and how far they've come. And Lucy, what would you say is the biggest achievement of the programme and the one aspect
4: you would like to change? Oh, uh, well, I i mean, I'm so unbelievably proud to have been part of an incredible community of people. The the projects that have come into this program or come out of this program have been phenomenal. And we've seen people working together in really innovative ways. And I think the thing that I'm most proud to have been part of is helping that innovation to happen. So we've started to see people think and work differently around these problems, both as partnerships between universities and councils, but also within their roles and within their own organisations. And I really hope that the legacy of this programme for the people that have been part of it is a, a, a permanent change or the beginning of a continued evolution in their thinking about how you can approach this sort of challenge. And that really it's about the people factor, it's about how people work together to take on some of these very complex issues within the response to the climate emergency. But as for the thing that we change, we learned so much uh, in the work that we did this year. And there are lots of small things that that I think we will improve in terms of the mix of the, the types of interactions that we provide for people. But the biggest change that I'm hoping we'll be able to bring next year is in the way we ask people to come into this programme. And in particular, in bringing an area that they would like to work on rather than asking them to come with a fully formed project. Because we know that we can really help people to work differently in the formation of those projects and that that will help them to approach things differently because we'll be building that change in practice from early on,
0: and as you've kind of alluded to now, we're going to talk a bit about the impact of the program and uh, kind of the future for it. So, uh, firstly, Grace, what will change in the way you work because of setting up the
2: program? I think there are quite a few different things that I'll take on because I suppose, as we've as we've all alluded to, it's coincided with. A different way of working for everybody um one of the definite benefits of doing an online program entirely is the huge reach and and the reach further and further to many different local authorities across the country um and obviously communities if they want to listen to these podcasts and partners um including academics but also beyond um I think having everything online, whether whether that be in a variety of different mediums—podcasts, seminars, Zooms, blogs, recordings. Um, Will definitely be something that I take forward for future pieces of work. And one thing that we we've also done is set up a LinkedIn network for universities and councils. So a bit of a shout out for that. If you'd like to join, um, any council and university can join to share um, everything online um, that that they would like to, whether that be research or tools or implementation. Techniques um, so that we continue growing this network on and on, which um, will definitely be something which we take forward. Um, Chris mentioned the the Myro boards, the like sort of online digital board whiteboards that we used, and they were huge for keeping everyone learning from each other in a really visual and dynamic way, which was such a great way of learning online and hopefully will be something that that we take forward as well that there are so many things that that will that will carry on bringing forward but i would also say saying yes to partnerships and you never know how it will develop um from one email even Um, so just kind of starting to explore those different avenues with with local partners um, will definitely be something that I take forward. And I know that many different local authorities are doing that across the country as well, which is really exciting.
1: And Catherine, can I ask you
2: the same question?
1: Well, my my, as my job title suggests my role is very much around partnerships and partnership building. So uh, equally, I've learned a lot from developing and delivering this program and and from the work that Chris and Lucy do in, in building those partnerships. And I think uh, one of the big take homes for me is continuing to develop that co-production uh, way of working and methodology and uh, we did that from the outset with this from from first approaching grace at the lga with with the idea of we have lots of researchers who work on climate and we know it's a big issue for local councils what can we do likewise bringing in the climate action unit and saying we want to do something that brings together researchers and councils what can we do and how do we do it um you know and i think that 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 idea of co-production with your other stakeholders uh right from the very outset of of any sort of research or research related activity uh, really adds significant value to what you're going to be able to achieve um so that's something i i'd like to continue to to press for the research community to do but to add more into my own practice
0: thank you and uh, these these next two questions are at both of you um kind of uh, to answer together. So uh, what are the next steps for this program?
1: Uh, I can go. So um, so the next steps are onwards and upwards, we hope. Um, we uh, certainly plan to try and uh, run another uh, round of the program in 2021-22, um, continuing on the same uh, model that we have with, with some tweaks based on what we've learned in this first pilot year. Um, we see the the benefits of building those networks um, across the different uh, stakeholder groups and we would like to start to try and bring in a broader range of stakeholders in the next round, so certainly engaging more with uh, local industrial partners, local civil partners, uh, and thinking about how we can really have multilateral um, input into the challenges and discussions and outcomes that we produce. Um, I think ultimately... uh, for us at UCL Public Policy, what we'd like to, to see is how we can then expand this also beyond the, the kind of climate space and, and climate questions that, that exist. We know that local authorities are facing many challenges on many different fronts. And I think if this is a model that can be expanded out to, to apply research in other areas, um, that would be fantastic. So I, a longer term, I think that would be a goal for us.
2: Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I suppose building on that, um, as as Lucy's very, very, put very well, we would really love to develop this programme and, and learn from the things that we did last time and build on those for this time. So one of the big things that we're looking to do from, from the LGA side of things is to make sure that we've got universal tools for councils um and, and for universities to use and so that we don't produce the same thing 333 times over. Um, but here at the LGA, we'd, we'd love to support councils um, for doing it once and, and advertising that. So we really hope that that will be um, a product of next year's programme, which we're really excited to launch. And I suppose a couple of the other things, we're we're sort of looking to branch out more, as Catherine has said, to different partners, perhaps by doing Place Shaper seminars and attracting different audiences to that to help combat this crisis together. And also to build on each cohort, so potentially working with those people who are interested from the last cohort to mentor the next cohort and, and pass on these learnings that that they had from their projects so that we expand even further on this great network and community.
0: Thank you. And finally, can I ask how UCL and the LGA
2: will be accelerating climate action in light of the IPCC report? So, Obviously, yeah, huge report has come out in the last month um, for, for the whole of humanity. And at the LGA, we have um, we have a role and a programme to support councils um, in England on the climate change sector support work as much as we can. And um, it it redoubles our motivation um, to help councils support-wise to listen to them and to hear what they need to reach their local net-zero carbon and biodiversity goals. And for those who who haven't kind of look, looked at our webpage yet or kind of signed up to our bulletin. We've got a variety of different resources to help local authorities do that through sharing case studies through our Past the Planet campaign and the lead up to COP. Um, keeping making... Tools as as we've described, like our greenhouse gas accounting tool, which helps councils to consistently benchmark their emissions when when looking at others. Webinars to showcase council and partner good practice, doing e learning, podcasts for learning and development, and producing guides for councillors and for sustainable procurement and so on. A um, whole kind of variety of different things, but um, yeah, do check out our website. I'm really keen to have conversations if if you listen to this podcast and want to find out more.
1: Yeah, and UCL, as a global university, uh, you can imagine has a wealth of research expertise um, to to apply to the climate challenge um, across the, the piece. Um, we are working towards the COP26 meeting in November. Um, we will have a presence there, and uh, much of our research is obviously applicable to the questions being asked at both Uh, from international to national to to local scale um the ucl research community is uh we're focusing through a ucl climate hub uh which is our sort of online presence which brings together the the wealth of activity that the ucl research community are leading on um from a public policy perspective uh, like i say our role is very much to help bridge the gap and bring the communities together so we're here to uh facilitate questions from either the research or the policy community around this. And, and please do just get in touch with our team, as Grace has said with hers, um, you know, if you'd like to engage in any area of, of climate related um, research activity at UCL, we'll try and point you in the right direction. For us on this programme, we feel that starting these conversations and, and, and delivering action at the local scale is critical to addressing the climate challenge equally to national, international government negotiations, you know, working together and and having the policy top down, we think the bottom-up approach is equally valuable. And that's why we wanted to launch this programme and why we saw the value in in working um, in a local way on this challenge uh, as opposed to working in a national way, which we do in other forums. Um, And so I feel that that's a big message that, for me, From public policy i'd like to take through to kind of the cop negotiations is that the value of of the really on the ground work that people are doing and the wealth of research that's already there and is ready to sort of be be put into action uh the question less is now what is climate change and and what is the issue but how can we act and what can we do Um, And I think uh, engaging at the local level is really going to tip the balance in terms of of delivering action on that. So I'm really proud of the programme that we've created.
0: Now, at the end of each podcast episode, we ask our partnerships about their one key takeaway message for councils and universities to work more effectively. So can I ask the same question to you all? Lucy and Chris, I'll come to you first.
3: So I think the partnerships that we saw working the best or or sort of, powering ahead in front of everyone else were the ones where they started to work together by putting their respective expertise together. So there was an understanding of what kind of expertise they brought to the partnership and they combined it and together they started to solve the problems that they were trying to solve. Often academics are people with a solution in search of a problem. And I suppose that people in council are often people with problems in search of a solution. And it's where that understanding comes together that they each have to bring something in terms of expertise in understanding the problem and the context, but then also understanding the solutions where uh, the partnerships work best.
4: And I think for for me, it's an extension of that, but into a slightly different space. The partnerships that I saw being the most successful in addition to that working together really beautifully in partnership, also worked really well with the rest of the stakeholders around them. So they weren't just producing a tool and then trying to deliver that tool to their council or to the people in their area. They were using the skills and knowledge that they had within their team to work with their stakeholders from the beginning and to understand how to bring about that change. And that meant that they took people every step of the way with them. And that's that's how they made change happen successfully. So that would be my top tip, engage your stakeholders. Thank
2: you. Grace, what about you? Yeah, um, I suppose mine is linked to Chris's. I think when you're working in partnership with one another the outcomes, the aims and objectives have to be completely and utterly communicated at the beginning, but also throughout. So throughout communication is absolutely key. Asking questions like, are we achieving this? Do we need more help? Are we ensuring that there isn't any scope creep? And having those really regular check-ins and communications all along the way help to combat some of those those things and and also not being afraid to kind of reach out to others and ask ask others have you done this how have you done it what did you learn um which in this program is a great conduit to help point people in the right direction but yeah those those regular check-ins and um, to make sure that you're both on the same page throughout and lastly Catherine what would be your one key takeaway message I
1: think my one key takeaway message is just simply the value of collaboration that no one of us can do any of this by ourselves no one can address these challenges in isolation and it's only by coming together and and working with that whole range of stakeholders from researchers to policymakers to the general public to uh, industrial partners that we can identify the challenges and find those innovative solutions that we're all really looking for. It's really interesting to see sometimes uh, the research community come in with one idea and, and have that turned on their head because they suddenly see what they're trying to achieve from that policy perspective. You cannot underestimate the value of, of collaboration and, and working together um, with different groups of people with different experiences.
0: You've been listening to Together Towards Net Zero. This episode was presented by myself, Olivia Lancaster, produced by UCL and LGA with support from UCL Public Policy and edited by Nathan Copeland. Our guests today were Catherine Welch, Grace Abel, Dr. Krista Meyer, and Dr. Lucy Hubble rose To find out more about the Net Zero Innovation Programme, visit ucl.ac.uk slash public policy. If you would like to hear more podcasts from UCL, then head to ucl.ac.uk slash ucl minds slash podcasts. And lastly, to read more about the LGA's climate change programme, visit local.gov.uk slash r support slash climate change. Thanks for listening. This will be the last episode for this first series, but do join us again when we will launch the 2021-2022 programme.